Okay, well, let me open us in prayer and then we can, we can start. Father, we thank you for, again, this uh, opportunity to study your word. And as we look at Proverbs and Song of Solomon, please uh, minister to us by your spirit. And uh, we just ask that you would, uh, you would be glorified in, in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can can you hear me now? Well, I don't know if anyone can hear me, but um. Um. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we, we can hear you. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All good. Okay. So proverbs. So you can. Turn to Proverbs. We'll do Proverbs in the first session, then Song of Solomon in the in the second. So remember, we're in wisdom literature. So Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Uh, that's the five books that comprise or make up the wisdom literature. Uh, Proverbs is, uh, exactly as the name says, it is Proverbs, uh, which are uh, short, pithy sayings or aphorisms okay, um, that uh, teach us something, that have uh, wisdom, that are true when applied correctly uh, in the right situation at the right time. So that's very important. Proverbs are not promises. So a lot of, a lot of Christians uh, will read the book of Proverbs as though they are promises. So they read it uh, in the same way that they might read Paul's writings when Paul writes an epistle and states certain things. They'll read Proverbs in that way. But uh, Proverbs is not written like that. They are generally true or true in specific situations and at certain times. Where did I put my water now? Uh, so that's important. Don't absolutize them. Okay. Um, uh, they are um, you know, like we have we have proverbs in, in uh, every culture, I think pretty much has proverbs. There's some very interesting proverbs and you can go on, online and, and sort of research proverbs from other cultures and there's some very interesting and often uh, humorous ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, in English we'd say things like, you know, um, just to give you an example, too many cooks spoil the broth. Okay. What do we mean by that? Exactly. Too many cooks spoil the broth. Too many ideas. Lose uh, the, the original uh, direction. Yeah, yeah. Too, too many people being involved can mess things up. So it's um, so we, we, we understand that in certain situations. Uh, but then we also have another saying, many hands make light work. Okay. What does that one mean? Uh, that's 
well, often if you have more people, it, the work mm-hmm. goes more quickly. They seem so contradictory. Well, no, too many cooks spoil the broth. You have too many cooks in the kitchen making something, it's probably going to be a mess. Uh, so it's still, it can apply in physical conditions as well. Um, you know, you have too many people trying to fix a, an iPhone. It's probably going to, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but we, we understand that they're both true, but not all the time. At certain times, situational. And they're, so at one level, they're contradictory. The one is saying too many people mess things up and then too many people, well, lots of people make things better. So, um, but we understand that they're both true depending on the situation. And the same with Proverbs. As you go through the book of Proverbs, you will find things that uh, seem to contradict each other. So for an for example, Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, uh, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So here it says the reward if you are humble, you fear the Lord, you will get riches. Okay, so uh, there it's told. Uh, then Proverbs eleven sixteen says violent men get riches. Okay, so. Which one is true? Both of them are true at different times. Often, uh, a godly person who is humble and works hard uh, will prosper financially. Okay? But it's not a law. Not every godly person who works hard will end up rich. And Proverbs deals with that as well. So that's a very important theme. Um, do all violent people get rich? No. But it is true that, you know, violent bank robbers can end up rich and, you know, violent, corrupt leaders and mafia. Uh, you know, you watch those documentaries of the mafia and they're, they're violent and they, they, they're rich. But not every violent person ends up rich. So, you see, uh, that's how you must read Proverbs. So, don't absolutize it because sometimes... You know, see, some Christians will hold on to a proverb as though it's a promise. And then you're going to be disappointed very often. And then you're going to question God's word. Rather, read the proverbs as what they are. That oftentimes in life, this is how life works. But they're not promises. Okay. Does that make sense? But, um, so important to, to read it like that um, when we come to it. Now, I said to you at the, the beginning, with wisdom literature, uh, the key all the way through is, the key to wisdom is fear of the Lord. So, uh, you can see that in, in chapter 1. So, look at chapter 1. And from verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, remember we saw that proverb, uh, that we were told that Solomon wrote something like 3,000 Proverbs. Uh, we have some of them here. But he didn't write the whole book of Proverbs. There are, uh, there are others. Um, so, the... Um, Chapter 30 says the words of Agur, 
son of Jacka. Okay, we don't know who that was. Then chapter 31, the words of King Lemuel. We also don't know who that was. Um, so, but their, their proverbs are there. And um, chapter 25, verse 1 says, These also are proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Okay, so that's much later that they, they wrote down some of these proverbs of, of, um, of Solomon under the time of Hezekiah. Okay, so it's a mixture of authors, but uh, primarily it is, it is Solomon. And, uh, so he starts off, and uh, really uh, the, the uh, first uh, nine chapters are, are a story, and he's talking to his son. Okay, so he, if you look at um, verse 8, hear my son. Verse 10, my son. Um, chapter 2, verse 1, my son. Chapter 3, verse 1, my son. Uh, chapter 4, hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son. Chapter 6, verse 1, my son. Chapter 7, verse 1, chapter... You don't look at that with God talking to us. No, so, well, it's written by Solomon. Solomon is teaching his son, but of course, it's the things of God. So it okay. is. Um, um, so you don't read it like that either. You don't read it as in God talking to you as his child. Yes, yes. So we, we read the scriptures as God's word to us. Right. Definitely, we must do that. But remember, we first go to the original setting, the context, and the genre the style of literature, so we first work through all of that. Otherwise, we can end up a little bit confused because some things are, are you know, are, are told within a certain context that wouldn't apply directly to us. But there may well be a principle that we have to, we have to figure out that does apply to us in our, in our context. Um, uh, the other thing is that he is writing here to his son, so he's not writing to his daughter. He's writing to his son. And he is writing to his son on uh, really setting before him two women. Okay. So he sets before him wisdom and folly. Okay. And um, he's giving him wisdom for choosing the right wife in one sense. But it goes beyond that to uh, are you going to follow wisdom or foolishness? And then how does the book of Proverbs end? What is chapter 31 all about? Yes, the, the godly woman, the righteous woman. Um, so it's, it's, Proverbs itself is almost sort of a love story. And then at the end, there is this, this idealized picture of sort of the perfect woman, okay, the perfect wife. It's a, it is idealized, so that's very important because a lot of ladies are very condemned by Proverbs 31. So we will look at that. You mustn't read it in that way and just feel terrible. Um, you know, just as uh, there are other idealized parts of Scripture, and we'll see Song of Solomon is idealized as well. Okay, so, but you can see there's something of a framework here 
within Proverbs. So these first nine chapters, he's talking to his son and teaching him about life. Um, obviously, a lady can read it and, and sort of uh, uh, reverse it and, and learn things, practical things as well about life. So it's, it's applicable to everyone. But he is writing to his son about choosing a wife. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so... Um, he says there in verse 7 to, to his son, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, and that's a major theme in the Bible. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools do not like to be corrected. Fools are not teachable. Fools are proud and arrogant. The humble person, uh, and I mean, that's it's quite a statement because I think Naturally, none of us really like to be corrected or told we're wrong. Um, but we really, if we want to be wise, we must humble ourselves and be, be willing to be corrected. Uh, we don't want to be fools. We must have the fear of the Lord so that we can become wise. So he starts off saying, uh, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And so he talks there, you know, really what we would talk, call peer pressure. Okay? Sinners come and they entice you and they want to lead you astray. And there's different ways that he can be led astray. It's into violence. See, notice what he says there. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Okay, so let's go and beat some people up. Um so that he can be enticed into, into violence, can be enticed into debt, and into sexual immorality. Okay, so uh, he gives warnings all the way through. Obviously, we don't have time to, to go through the whole, uh, uh, everything he says. Uh, we're going to focus in on just a few aspects, and specifically the two ladies that are placed in front of him, and the warning about sexual immorality. Okay, so um, uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 5, very important. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so... Fantastic statement there that we are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. Okay. So not to rest on our intellect and uh, how clever we are, because remember, the effects of sin are, are mental as well. Our reasoning has been affected. We must rest on the Lord and his word. That's where we find understanding. We mustn't be wise in our own eyes. But uh, trust in the Lord, fear the Lord, and turn away from, from evil. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Okay. Um, which book of the New Testament says that, repeats this? about discipline. Don't despise discipline. It's a sign of God's love. 
it's Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12 also says that we must, we must see God's discipline as a sign of his love, just as a father who loves his son will discipline him. The writer of Hebrews says, if there's a child who's not disciplined, it means he's illegitimate. The father couldn't care less. Like, <laughs> it's an illegitimate child. I'm not, it's my, it's the son who's going to continue my name that I will, that I will discipline and look after. And so, uh, we mustn't despise the Lord's discipline. The writer of Hebrews says it's not nice, okay? So we mustn't think, oh, it's just so wonderful. It is painful, but it, it's a sign of God's love for us, okay? Um, okay, so he talks about wisdom, and then he will personify wisdom. Verse 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Okay, um, okay lots, of, lots of really, you know, lots of wisdom here. And it's a pity we don't have time to go through all of it. But... It's, it's good to read it. Somebody once said that you should read a chapter of Proverbs every day. It's 31 chapters, and it's like a multivitamin. Okay? So you can't live on Proverbs. You can't live on multivitamins. You need your steak and potatoes, and, and you read other parts of the Bible as well. But Proverbs really gives you uh, a vitamin boost. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not making that a law you must read. <laughs> Bible doesn't say that, but it, you know, it's quite an interesting thing. Uh, so it is worth going over regularly, though. It's just, there's just so much good stuff as you read through it. I mean, just look that's at... Your moral compass point north. That's right, yeah. You, you, you realign yeah. the direction of your life. And um, uh, verse 30, do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. You know, don't just fight with people. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Um, so, uh, chapter 4. Um, let's skip through that. Uh, verse 23, very important. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Remember what Jesus said, out of the heart comes all these sins. Okay? Proverbs is saying the same thing. Protect your heart. Okay? Keep it with vigilance. Guard it. Because from it flows the springs of your life. Okay, um, okay chapter 5 then uh, comes to, uh, you see the heading there, warning against adultery. So, he says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. Um, Verse 8, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. 
lest strangers take their full of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Okay, so uh, the 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 warning to not commit adultery, not not to go after the forbidden woman. Um, he uses very very powerful, very graphic imagery, and we'll see it even more clearly when we get to um, chapter seven. Very, he appeals to the senses. Yes. Um, so why didn't Solomon follow his own advice? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Why don't you follow your own advice? Why don't I follow my own advice? Uh, um, it's it's sure. our sin, hey. Um, was this written sort of alongside Ecclesiastes, where it was after he had gone through? Yes, I I think there's something to that. That uh, remember they're they're not in chronological order, um, so we don't know the order in which he wrote them. Uh, so when we come to Song of Solomon, I, I, I certainly for Song of Solomon, I think that he's looking back, you know, at his disaster of a life and saying, "This is what it should have been. This is what this is a path I should have taken." Um, it's always easier to see the splinter in someone else's eye than you sit with the blanking Yeah. But here he... So here, he, because, because he still had the wisdom of God. Um, and, and so he's now... Remember with Ecclesiastes... Uh, did you mention Ecclesiastes? Yeah. Uh, as we said there, if our understanding is correct, he is... Um, he... He is writing later after he's learned the lessons. Mm. Okay. Um, so, I, th- I think there's, that's what he's sort of saying. You know, this this is not the way to go. Okay, I've been down this road. Okay, right. Don't um, don't do this. But look, I don't think that it takes a rocket scientist to. Um, you know, he could have said this even as a young man to his son. You know, I think he would, you, we know this. Okay, we know that you shouldn't do this. Okay, don't be a fool. Don't be seduced. Uh, notice what he says: the lips uh, of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. So you see the very, very um, uh, picturesque language. You know, oil and honey. Um, it's it's um, beautiful and smooth and. When he gets to chapter 7, he's going to sort of really assault the senses. And that's what sin, sin does. It's very sensual. But sensual is not evil in and of itself. Song of Solomon is very sensual. It's where, where the sensuality is, whether it's in a marriage covenant or outside of that. Okay, so uh, verse 15, he says, Drink water from your own cistern. The cistern was... Yes, Sorry. No, no. <laughs> the question. So... In this Proverbs 5, is he still talking um, about um, foolishness as a woman? Or is he talking about a woman? 
he, he's moving between them, and okay. I would argue that it's both. Um, How do we tell the difference? No, we, we don't. You, okay. you take the principles. Okay, okay. Because, because wrong thinking... Because throughout the Bible, the prophets will, will talk about idolatry as spiritual adultery. Mm. So, um, it's, it, you need to, you, I suppose you just need to discipline your mind to be able to think like that. Okay. That uh, physical sexual immorality is a physical picture of sin. Or sin. We are, if you're a Christian... You are the bride of Christ. You belong to him. Uh, he is our God. He is our savior. He is our husband. He is our uh, prophet, priest, and king. He is everything to us. When we sin, what we are doing is spiritual adultery. We are saying, you do not satisfy me. You are not enough. I will try and find satisfaction somewhere else. Okay. So... Um, this this is a warning against the foolish physical woman, the sinful physical woman. Um, but that's also a picture of folly, okay. folly itself, of choosing false gods, um, going after false gods as well. Um, this is very practical, yeah. But 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 then it's the the principles apply to us spiritually as well. So the foolishness applies to the void and the man, not the woman. The woman is personified as she, folly. She, if she's deceiving, she's uh, her honey is like sweet, sweet words, and she's um, what's the word? Uh, seducing. Uh, seducing. So it's the honey from the lips is seduction. That's uh, words that are like what's the name she is, and then the foolishness is, a, is pointed at the guy. He has been she's a f- swallowing it all. Been a, he like, has been. A, he has been. To see the, the wood for the trees. He has been a fool. But he is being seduced by foolishness. Well, it's evil. It's not foolishness. It's pure evil. But that is foolishness. Evil is foolishness. Okay. It, is, it is the most foolish thing to sin. Uh, sin is, is insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he says here, verse 15, drink water from your own cistern. A cistern was a place where you stored water. Obviously, in a, in a desert, it's very, water is very valuable. But yeah, this is a this is an image of uh, enjoy your own wife. Okay, don't go looking for se- sexual satisfaction elsewhere. Enjoy your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Uh, that that's a poetic way of saying sort of sowing your wild oats. Okay. Uh, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and, the, and he ponders all his paths. Okay, so that's, you know, he's saying the Lord is watching everything. Okay, so the Lord sees everything that goes on. Um, okay, then he comes back and he'll, he gives him chapter six, more practical advice. Don't, don't lend money. Don't stand surety for someone. Okay, so uh, you know what that means. If you stand surety for someone, 
someone else is going to borrow money, if they can't repay it, they're going to come and get come after you for the money. So he says, if you've done that, get out of it as soon as possible. Okay, and that's just wisdom. Um, I've seen parents go bankrupt, lose their retirement, end up on the streets because they've stood surety for their children. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so don't don't do that. Okay, don't stand surety for someone else. Um, if you can afford, like then just give them the money and give it without expecting in return rather than mm-hmm. putting yourself in a place of, of danger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, then he talks about laziness. Verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Um, one of the things with Proverbs it's, it's uh, really important is that... <clears throat> Proverbs is wisdom obtained by observation. Okay. So the Bible has prophetic wisdom. That's wisdom that God gives a prophet and he speaks the wisdom of God. But then we have what we, we might call sages, uh, wise men. And they, the, notice what he says, go to, the, go to the, the ant, observe the ant. All the way through, you'll hear him, he'll say things like that. Observe that lazy person, observe that fool, observe this uh, chapter 7, we're going to see, look at that guy who goes to visit that lady and goes to commit adultery with her. Uh, so he's like, watch, watch people's lives. Watch the person who starts building and can't finish it uh, because he didn't plan properly. So uh, it's, it's, it's good to observe and learn. Okay, Watch, watch life as you grow, observe. Okay, I can see this person, uh, they behave in a certain way and these are the consequences in their life. I see this person does that and how it destroys them. I see this person does this and it's good for them and it ends up well. So we must be observers of uh, not just other people, but also creation because Jesus does the same thing, doesn't he? He says, look at the flowers, look at the lilies. They don't sow, but yet look how beautifully they're clothed. Uh, consider the sparrows, consider this. So we should always be observing and learning lessons. Here he says, look at the ants. Look at the ants. I mean, it is quite something. Go and look at them and how busy they are. And they don't have a chief. They don't have someone saying, hey, wake up. <laughs> they, they do it. Um, so observe. Not in, a, not in a... So sometimes this is what we do. We observe and we're like, look at that person. Look how weird they look. Uh, okay. That's not... Uh, you know, that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about when you go past, you know, have you ever driven past a place where the weeds have overgrown and there's sort of, you can see they started to build a development and they it, it stopped. And you, you can learn a lesson. You can say something, they either ran out of money or they didn't do the zoning properly before they started. But you can just learn, okay, don't do that. Um, plan properly, etc etc so uh, it's through it's through observation okay um, so that's why we can even learn from ungodly people because ungodly people can also observe life and come to certain conclusions okay um, so we can see that there's often effects from parents you can say well uh, 
thousands of people have been observed and we've seen these patterns based on this type of upbringing, based on that. And, and we can learn from that. We don't say, oh, that's rubbish. Uh, no, we, the principle of learning by observation is in the Bible. It's very, very important. Otherwise, you and I are going to keep on trying to reinvent the wheel instead of learning the lesson from others. Okay. So, okay. Um, he comes back to the, this, this uh, aspect of adultery. Um, obviously, because sexual sin is such, a, such an easy thing to fall into. It's such a, such a uh, it's really common to mankind. Um, verse 24, to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. Okay? So it's not expensive to go and sleep with a prostitute. It's not that expensive in terms of money. But a married woman hunts down a precious life. Okay, so um, some of the Hebrew is difficult, but you get the idea. Um, the footnote there says a man's wife. Okay, so this lady, if she's married, well, a man, uh, sorry, a man's wife hunts down a precious life. It means it's a loaf of bread, it's cheap, but the cost is actually your life. Okay, so it's it's easy to to pay for a prostitute or to commit adultery, but the cost is, is actually exorbitant. It's not just... Um, verse 27, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? So there's the imagery. Do you think you can sort of play with this and not be affected and not be burnt? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he, is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Okay, and then it talks about the consequences, the hatred of someone who does that, and the violence um, and the revenge as well. Okay, chapter 7, he takes his son, in a sense, almost to the red light district. Uh, he says, um, he looks out through the window, and verse 7, he says, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. So there's this young man. He's, he's um, uh, what's the word that's used? Lacking sense. Okay. So he's, he's foolish. Uh, and now I want you to see this, this really... Um, powerful poetry because it's, a, it's, as I said, an assault on the senses. Behold, a woman meets him dressed as a prostitute. So the first thing is sight. Okay. So, and especially for men, that is um, uh, very powerful. So she's dressed in an immodest way. She's dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Um, so she's, his sight is, he sees her. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him. So there we have physical touch. She touches him. And, um, you know, she's, she seems to be beautiful. So it's not like, don't touch me. <laughs> it's, um, it's, there's physical touch. 
and she touches him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices. Isn't this remarkable? <laughs> She's religious. Okay. Wasn't there uh, like a religion where the woman uh, um, gave themselves to any stranger that walked through the temple? It's a Roman uh, religion or Greek religion, and that's how they praise their God. Yeah, so it's a woman got a, 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 a female. Yeah, a lot of the Greco-Roman religions uh, involved temple prostitution. Yeah, that's not talking about this because this is this is in Israel. Um, she's just gone to the temple to do her sacrifices. So can you see it's disarming because she's she's religious. She's just been to the temple to do sacrifices. So she's she's not like I hate God and I'm you know. <laughs> uh, and, and, and probably if she had been like that, he might have come to his senses. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, um, again, to, to always be on guard because um, uh, just because someone's religious does not mean they love the Lord. And today I've paid my vows. So now I've come out to meet you. Notice the flattery. Okay. It's you. You're the one. Again, you know, we all, we all like that, to, to feel special. I'm the one, I'm the special one. Um, to seek you eagerly, and I've found you. And uh, now look at this. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. So you get the, the comfort. Okay. Um, again, the, the sensuality beautiful coverings and linens. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So the smell. Smell is very powerful. You understand? So uh, sight, words, so the hearing, words, um, comfort, smell. It's, the, it's all the senses. Okay. Um, Come, let us take our full of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. It's fine. We're safe. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. Till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. Uh, verse 27, her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Okay. Uh, I think it's Ted Tripp or, or his brother, I forget which one. He says a man, and, and you can put it to any person, a male or female, a man for a, f- a few minutes of pleasure will destroy his whole family, lose his wife, his children, his job, everything. That's the insanity of, of sin. Okay. Um, and that's what Solomon is trying to get his son to see. Okay. Don't go down that path. Don't give in to your senses. Okay. Don't give in to flattery. Don't give in to your sight and smells and all of those things. Um, just on a... I don't know what the right word is, but a, a neurological level or a brain level... The, the part of the brain that is involved with arousal, um, what happens is it, it 
other parts of the brain start to shut down, okay? Especially the part of the brain that thinks about consequences long term, okay? Yeah, so it's the purely the primal uh, it's, part of your brain switches on, everything else switches off. Yeah, the part of the arousal. Yeah. And so um, the warning is here don't, don't go down that path, pull back, and okay, then you'll, you'll, you know, the other parts of the brain start to start functioning properly again of consequences and um, notice the warnings here because the warnings are, are throughout this will lead to destruction you don't get away with this okay there are severe consequences uh, chapter 8 then says does not wisdom call does not understanding raise her voice so here we have wisdom as I said personified as a woman she calls out to those who are foolish she says come to me and um, so, if, you know, if you think, oh, well, this is sexist, not sexist, because wisdom is a woman. Okay? Wisdom is personified as a, as a woman. Come to me. Um, follow me. Do it this way. Verse 13 of chapter 8. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Um, verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. If you seek for wisdom you will find wisdom um, and then there's this interesting poem in chapter 8 which I think points us to the Lord Jesus Christ don't have time to go into it certainly wisdom is Christ okay Paul says Christ is our wisdom okay? remember we saw with Esther Esther was a type of Christ we've seen with with Ruth Ruth is a type of Christ so here this lady wisdom is a type of of Christ. So, you know, on one level, choose a wise wife, but even more than that, come to wisdom, come to Christ. Okay. Um, uh, and then there's two feasts in chapter 9 that are set. Wisdom sets a feast and folly sets a feast. And that's at the end of that section. That is a really a unit. From then on, it's hard to find sort of connections it just seems to be a collection of Proverbs until we get to the last two chapters. But there's lots of important themes. Um, really deals with uh, an older pastor that said to me, um, I remember this, at a, I was chatting to him, and he said, um, you know, what you need to watch out for are... Um, Pennies, pride, and petticoats. So maybe the younger people don't know what a petticoat is. <laughs> um, uh, it's a it, it's sexual sin. Okay. Um, so three P's: pennies, pride, and petticoats. Um, to, that's what Proverbs is sort of about. It's, it's warning about money, pride, being humble, and sexual sin. Okay? To be careful all the time. Um, there is this, this warning against this. Okay, So, uh, the rest, as I said, is a compilation, a mixture of, of um, uh, short statements, wise statements on many topics. 
I just wanted to pick up on a couple of them. Pride is a big one. Um, Warning against pride. And then an interesting one I just want to point out is that poverty is mentioned quite a lot. And poverty is uh, sometimes, this is important, sometimes linked to things like laziness. And it depends in which circles you you move. Uh, Each person is sort of wired differently or raised differently, different circles. Some people are very uh, conservative. And so basically their their framework for poverty is that person is just lazy. Okay. Um, Every human, you know, most people think, um, you know, everything I have, I got myself. Uh, but often we think oh, other people are just lucky. But, you know, I, whatever I got, I earned, I did it. You know, mm-hmm. We don't think, wait a minute, you know, you could have been born in the middle of the jungle. God could have placed you there. There, where would you be? God could have made it that you never got an education. God could have made it a million things, that you didn't have the genetics, that you didn't have any. That's all a gift from God. You're not the self-made person. It was a million things that God ordained, and you should praise Him for that. And then we look down on other people and say, oh, yeah, well, they're just useless and lazy, you know. Um, it's very much an American view that, that has affected the church. And then on the other side, there's the very liberal view. Everyone's a victim, okay. We're all just victims, and there's no blame on anyone, and uh, neither of those views are biblical, okay. So the Bible with poverty will sometimes say some people are poor because they're lazy. It's true. They're not willing to work, and uh, we don't have time to go into into them, and I don't have time to mention them. But then Proverbs also acknowledges that sometimes people are poor due to injustice, okay? mm. things outside of their control. And you need to remember both when you think of, of the poor. Um, let me see if I can find one quickly, just to give you an example. 10.15, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. Isn't that true? Wealth is, gives you protection and strength. A wealthy person can get a lawyer. A wealthy person can get good doctors. A wealthy person can uh, emigrate, can do lots of things. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Okay? Just the very fact that they're poor is their ruin. Okay? The fact... Uh, um, the, the, those in South Africa, uh, those who live in townships and squatter camps, they don't have recourse to the police. Often it's the police who are taking advantage of them. It's not like, well, I'm just going to go to the police and sort this out. <laughs> it's often the police who are raping them and doing things to them. They can't just, well, I'm just going to phone lawyers and I'll sort this out. Their very poverty is their ruin. They can't get out of it. Uh, think of, I mean, they make movies out of people who actually get out of those situations. It is so rare uh, to be able to get out of that. So very, you can see the nuance of the Bible here. Mm-hmm. So don't absolutize either one. Um, just take what the Bible says. But I want us to jump to the end because it's, I know it's, it's a very important passage, chapter 31. Um an excellent wife that's the um, it's it's often 
uh, well, how it starts, verse 10. And, um, yeah, virtuous wife, excellent wife. Uh, she is more, far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And it carries on like that. It's very, uh, it's very beautiful. But as I said, uh, for a lot of ladies, it's very discouraging because it's... Um, and that's why it's important to remember it is idealized. Um, so it's not, it's not written to say, ladies, you should all be doing this. Okay. When was the last time you bought a field? Hmm? <laughs> that's it. That's right. It's exactly right. That's the imagery that she's, 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 yeah, that's the principle one must draw. But, you know, I think if you try exactly what Sherry said, she's basically working the whole time through the night, get up early, up late at night. A lady who is, uh, does not have the physical constitution to do that, or there's age, or paralyzed, or, you know, what does that mean? Well, you're a substandard. No, that's, you, then we're reading it wrong. So let me say we must read it in an idealized way. Okay? And not to read it, there are principles here, and of course, to, to, that's what we also want to draw out. But listen to what uh, Derek Kidner, the commentator, says. Except for her fear and wisdom of the Lord, this lady's standard is not implied to be within the reach of all, for it presupposes unusual gifts and material resources. So she has loads of servants. She can go and buy a field. Okay? She's got the money. Uh, nor is it much concerned with the personal relationships of marriage. Rather, it shows the fullest flowering of domesticity, which is revealed as no petty and restricted sphere, and its mistress as no cipher uh, or zero. She's not a zero. So what it's doing is painting this picture, this beautiful picture of a wife okay. um, that is, is working and... Um, doing deals and caring for her family. It's not a, uh, a um, you know, the world paints, you know, being a wife and a mother as, what a loser, uh, you know, it's so pathetic. S sitting at home and having coffee. Yes. Uh, yeah. And um, well, some of them do that. <laughs> like, really, they do. <laughs> and I've seen this. Stay at home. Wow. So you get the, the different types. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that, that doing like, that at times, but if that's all it is, yeah. Yeah. Or not even, I mean, 
or just oh, I play tennis and uh, um, oh, and then you'll sing the ones. Standing on the roadside. You'll sing the ones at the Stubbridge Okay, so what it's doing is painting actually a very powerful and beautiful picture. Um, uh, here is scope for formidable powers and great achievements, the latter partly in the realm of the housewife's own nurture and produce and partly in her unseen contribution to her husband's good name. So it's actually this, the, high point, the high point of this uh, poem is her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. It's, uh, remember, we, I don't know if we spoke about a uh, chiastic structure that often in Hebrew literature at least in, in, I think, in European literature, we, there's sort of a build-up to the climax. In Hebrew poetry, um, often the climax is in the middle. And so that's the case here. And so actually the high point is the husband, okay? Because the wife is there to be a, an appropriate helper, okay? To support her husband, to make him look good. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He is known, and one of the primary reasons is because of her. She has made him look great because of um, her behavior and her industriousness and all of these things. So uh, one of the things we'll see in Song of Solomon and in Proverbs, we've already seen it, is the incredible power of woman. Okay. Um, very, very powerful and the power over men, and the power to influence men. Uh, in fact, remember, it is Eve who gets Adam to, to eat. So the incredible power for good, and incredible power for, for evil. Not to say, oh, men are victims, and it's, it's our point. Remember, Adam is responsible. <laughs> yeah, well, Adam is responsible. So Adam, the fall is... Really influenced by us. Not, not, uh, not gullible, uh, necessarily, if we, unless we go the wrong way. But, um, but we, that's our, the warning is here. If, if we choose it, if we go that way, we're the fools. But, but is it possible? Is it that a woman holds a lot of influence? Definitely, yeah. from the scriptures. Yeah. Yes. To, to, uh, to, make, to make husband sin or enable them to be better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But um, I'm not absolutizing it. Remember, we're just looking at certain aspects of of um so it's not to say um uh, if my husband's a nightmare and and goes off the rails it's my fault no and i'm not saying that uh, we're just simply saying that because uh, the you know we'll get to other parts of the bible that talk about the man and his influence and all definitely so i'm not don't take it the wrong way but just to know that the bible doesn't say you know women are just nothing and they just they but they as they obey God, um, or in any way, whether they disobey God or obey God, they have tremendous influence. Okay? They have tremendous influence on the children, the generations that are raised. Um, what's the old saying? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world because of the influence on the children. The mother will have far more influence on so the children. Little boys are still, men are still little boys. It can be, but why also many men are men? Because the mother... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, in the whole world, there's billions. I don't know. We just look at maybe a little portion of the West that's yeah, falling apart. But, but uh, um, so, I, so 
uh, here you can see it. It's a beautiful picture of being a wife is, is supposed to be. This is the, the image of empowering and industrious, hardworking. And just to say as well, because um, often the primary thing here is she's hardworking. Often when guys look for a wife, they, they never even take that into consideration. They're just like, what does she look like? Is she a nice person? But not thinking. It doesn't mention her looks here. It doesn't mention a lot of things. But she is hard working. Um, and so, um, look for, a, for a, a hard working wife. Okay, that's one aspect. There's much more, but it's a very, very important principle. Now, as we, we spoke about folly and wisdom and all of those things, um, as we come to the end, there's sort of a bit of a switch because remember in Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. Okay. And what is our role? Our role is to make Christ look good to the world. Hey, the way that we behave, the way that we live as, as a community, as God's people. Uh, remember what Jesus said, by this all people shall know that you are my disciples, the love that you have for one another. As we have love for one another, and the way we treat one another, and um, live our lives with integrity, and the fruit of the Spirit, uh, we should be showing, people should, they might not agree with it, but they should be like, in a certain sense, their God is a great God. Um, we are making Christ look good. Now, it's 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 uh, you know for Natalie to make me look good is really difficult. Okay? <laughs> to make Christ look good is not because he's amazing and perfect. He's absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with him, mm. and so we should be tr- seeking to, to to make him look good and show the world what he is truly like. That he is uh, perfect, altogether lovely, and he is worth following and knowing. Um, so. Yeah, and it's the means that he does use. So yes, he could say without us, but he's chosen not to. He uses us, he's, he uses the gospel, and um, and so we are to 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 display him to the world. Okay. Okay, so that's Proverbs. I'm gonna let's have a quick break because I want to spend some time in Song of Solomon. Um, so, yeah. all right, guys, uh, online, I'll just take a quick 15 minute break and then fix that. Yeah, I see. So, yeah, she's saying, Proverbs.